You can't control what happens to you, but you can always control the meaning you make of it if you learn how to mind the gap. And mind the gap means when something happens to you and you find yourself having a big reaction, you know, oh, that jerk, or oh, she thinks I'm an idiot, that's why she didn't answer my email. Can you create a little gap, can be very small at first, between what happened and the meaning you make of it? This is Show Your Business Who's Boss. Listen in on behind the scenes, unfiltered conversations with my favorite business owner friends who take charge and make their businesses work for them. Don't just be your own boss, show your business who's boss. I'm Pia Silva. On today's episode, we are talking to the million dollar woman herself, Julia Pimsler. Julia is a scaling coach, mindset expert, TEDx speaker, and best-selling author of Million Dollar Women, and her new book, Go Big Now, Eight Essential Mindset Practices to Overcome Any Obstacle and Reach Your Goals. She has built multiple companies in her career, including as the founder of a New York City-based online membership community helping 1 million women get to 1 million in revenues called, you guessed it, Million Dollar Women. Million Dollar Women recently celebrated its five-year anniversary and has helped thousands of women entrepreneurs scale up their businesses. Julia has also been a friend and a mentor to me since we met eight years ago in EO when she was the head of the Accelerator program and I was a mere new little guppy in that world. And a few years after that, I was lucky enough to have her write the blurb on the back of my book, Badass Your Brand. She and I share so many similar philosophies in business and our goals, and I always love strategizing with her. So I'm really excited to have her on the show today. In this conversation, Julia is going to share both mindset ideas from her book and some amazing practical tips that you can start implementing right now to shift your mindset. We'll also share some personal stories on our own mindset struggles and shifts, and hopefully we'll help unstick you in some way or at least give you some tools to unstick yourself. So buckle up. Here we go. Hi, Julia. Welcome to the show. So excited to have you. Hey, Pia. This will be so much fun. Thanks for having me on. As people on this podcast probably know, we've, we've known each other for a long time. You're you're part of my origin story, Julia. Oh, my I goodness. Mean, I yeah, love hearing that. You were there in the beginning when I was just a little guppy. And uh... I remember I blurbed your book, your first book. I'm sure there's going to be others. <laughs> yes, I, I hope so. You just published your is that your second book or your next book? Second, unless you count the children's books, which I don't. But yes, I wrote some children's books when I was a little pin. But this is my second grown-up book. If okay, we count, if we count as grown-ups, so <laughs> which is perhaps which sometimes. is hard to do. You're known as I mean, I think of you as the million-dollar woman, but really, that's you've transformed into the go big now woman. Tell me about that. That's your new book. Well, they're actually really connected. And yeah, when I wrote Million Dollar Women, it was because I had built a multi-million dollar business and had so many belly flops and sleepless nights and almost not making it moments along the way and found out there were many other women like me who were having a really hard time scaling their business. So I wrote Million Dollar Women to share my story of building Little Pim, my language teaching business into a multi-million dollar business from a $30,000 investment, but also the stories of women across the country who did the same so that we could learn from them. And what was really interesting is when I went out to do the speaking tour after, I spoke to rooms of 100 to 1,000 women in the US, in the UK, in Australia. And in all those rooms, I asked the same question, which was, what do you think is the hardest part of going big? And I gave them a choice of three things because I learned from interviewing all the women in the book. You really just need three things to go big. You need the right mindset, the right skill set, and the right network. If you can get those three things right, you can build a big, successful, multi-million dollar business. And in all those rooms, Pia, from 100 to 1,000 people, all hands were going up for mindset as the hardest of the three. Mindset, skill set, and network. Yes. And I was fascinated by that because that had been the game changer for me. I never could have scaled up a little PIM if I hadn't done a lot of mindset work and overcome limiting beliefs, which I'm sure we'll talk about on this podcast. If you've never heard that term before, we're going to come back to that concept. I had to overcome these limiting beliefs I had about myself in order to go big. And once I learned that other people were struggling with that, that planted the seed of the new book, Go Big Now, which is all about mindset. Amazing. Amazing. And 
Okay, so I obviously 100% agree with you. I work on my mindset all the time. You and I both are big. Mindset you know, junkies. Mindset <laughs> junkies, yes, because it's the key. But honestly, I it was it feels a little like I it was like a lucky series of events to have stumbled into that. Maybe that's just what happens eventually if you're trying to grow your business. But man, I wish I had known that or even thought about the term mindset 10 years earlier. I feel like I'd be in a completely different place. Same, if I had same. Been working about that. Yeah. So <laughs> yes. how did you, was it while you were building Little Pim and were you calling it mindset? How did you decide I really have to work on this or did somebody else point it out or help you or what, what happened? Well, it's more in retrospect that I call it mindset. You know, okay. I, frankly, my first business I did, yeah, I guess Little Tim was the first business. Um, well, I was, I was a documentary filmmaker before that. We share that, that I was right. a creative, right? And, and I've just, I have to just say, I've loved watching you take your business big and helping so many creatives. It's so fun for me to see how you're showing up in the world as just this amazing leader. So seriously, so awesome. Same. Well, for me, it was like I had no idea what I was doing and I sort of fell on my face. And sometimes when you fall on your face, you, find a new way forward, right? So with Little Pim, I got to this place where, you know, we're making 400,000 in revenues. I was starting to be on these lists of like 100 entrepreneurs to watch. You know, we were in Us Weekly, Angelina Jolie is teaching her daughter Shiloh French with Little Pim, right? Like all these exciting moments. I think we were in Toys R Us nationally, like good things were happening. We were at 400,000, but I was exhausted. I was just totally on the road to burnout. I had two little kids at home, which I'm sure you understand better now. I cannot believe you did that with two kids. <laughs> I don't what? know what How? I was fueled on, but I did for a while, but then until I couldn't, right? And so that's really where the story's right. going. So for four years, I was running that business, just not getting enough sleep, not spending enough time with my children or my then husband. And not really enjoying my life that much, to be honest. It was just work, 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 right? And I did love helping parents become their children's first language teacher. You know, I was lucky enough to grow up bilingual in French and English, and that opened so many doors for me. You know, I got scholarships to top schools. I went to Yale on scholarship, a lot of it because I was bilingual. So I was super passionate about the mission, but I didn't like the lifestyle. And so I was very close to just saying, you know what, I guess I'm not meant to be a CEO, right? I don't have a business background. I didn't study finance. I'm a creative person. Maybe I'm just out of my depth here. And I almost shut the business down, but my lawyer, not really, I didn't like, you know, file for bankruptcy or anything, but I was thinking about it. I really was thinking about it. And my lawyer was part of EO, where you and I met, Entrepreneurs Organization. Oh, And he said, why don't you call EO and see if you can join. And I called EO and they said, well, you have to be making a million to join EO, which I was not. And they had a program for entrepreneurs trying to get to a million. So I joined that. It was called EO Accelerator. I, I didn't met know you, you were in an accelerator. I was an accelerator. Oh, yes. Oh my goodness. I and felt like I knew your so whole much. story. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. You and I, I guess I never talked about this. So anyway, I joined EO Accelerator. I did make these big changes in my business, you know, learned how to lead, up my confidence, managed the finances differently, so many things, raised venture capital, right? And got the business into the multi-millions, joined EO, and then became the volunteer chair of that very program for two years. And I think that's where you and I connected. So that's okay. kind of where I became like a mini expert in getting people to a million. It it sounds like similar to me, actually, like somebody was like, hey, you should probably check this thing out. And then and then obviously mindset is a huge part of EO. But EO didn't help me with the mindset. Here's the funny thing. So back to our shared passion of, you know, advancing women, although, of course, I love helping men, too. And my new book is for men and women and anybody gender non-binary. It's really for everyone who has a big, ambitious goal. But my heart is in gender parity, right? And, and getting women to a place of financial security, and then some. And when I was in EO, I was kind of shocked that there were so few women speakers. So I spent two full years not seeing one woman on stage, literally, just all these, you know, great men, but no women. And the first woman who showed up was Gina Malacone Long, who is an expert in NLP, or linguistic programming, which is a rapid mindset changing method. Yes. And I just fell in love with her from the stage and hired her to be my coach and flew to Canada and spent 
huge dollars on, you know, 24 hours with her, maybe it was 48. And that had life-changing results for me, including writing Million Dollar Women, including a few years later getting divorced, including really owning my power in a way that I had not before. She was kind of like my, my Glenda Good Witch of the, of the West, right? In, in, uh, Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And Glenda says, Maybe she's not from the West, wherever she was from. You know, Glenda. She's is. from the East. She's the East. Thank you. I was like, that didn't sound right as I said it. The West was when it got squished under the house. Yes. Or no, it was the Wicked Witch. In any case, Glenda's famous line that I love, right, is when she says to Dorothy, like, you've had these, you know, ruby slippers on this whole time and they have these magical powers. You just didn't know it. And I Ooh, find that's just give me the such a story for women, right? Yeah. We're, we're wearing these magic sparkly slippers. We could do whatever we want, but we just don't look down and realize they're there. And sometimes we need a coach or someone to come in and, and show us, right? And that's what happened for me. So I got very interested in, well, how can I do that for other people? Wow. Tell me, I love, I'm, I'm a fan of NLP. You became an NLP certified practitioner coach, or yes, coach? Master yes, master coach, yeah. Yeah, you went to Australia, I think I remember. Yes, great memory, yes. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so you did do some digging. I or did. Just well, no, I just, oh, I've known you for a very long time. I know. Well, thanks for remembering <laughs> I know that, your yeah. story. That I remember when deal. you went to Australia and I thought that was so cool that you were going to do that and you Thank did the training. You. And so now you're, now you can mind trip people and uh, <laughs> well, NLP <laughs> is a in really powerful tool. It is, yeah. you know, and, and when I became a coach, so million, well, Let's just back up a minute. So I built Little Pim into a multi-million dollar business. Then I got very passionate about helping other women build multi-million dollar businesses and realized that I wanted to transition out after nine years. So when Million Dollar Women, the book came out, uh, that was with Simon & Schuster. It sold about 35,000 copies right off the bat. Then women started contacting me from all over the country saying, hey, I'm like you. I built this business because I love it, but I'm stuck or I'm burned out or I don't know how to grow it. And that's when I decided to become a coach. So I called up Gina and said, hey, I'm going to be a coach. What do you think I should study? And she said, hands down, go get trained in NLP. So, of course, I wanted to get trained with her. And I said, well, great. When's your next training? She's in Toronto, figuring I'd hop on, you know, an hour flight and be up in Toronto learning with Gina. And she said, it's in May. And so, great. Okay, sign me up. How much is it? Where is it? She said, and it's in Sydney, Australia. (laughs) Now, keep in mind, Pia, I had just gotten divorced. I was leaving my company, which was my entire identity, right, after nine years, building this whole new business of coaching, which I knew nothing about. I was terrified. And I was like, and you want me to get on a plane and go to Sydney, Australia, which I cannot afford to do? So it was like a showstopper for a minute. But I wrote about this in Go Big Now. I actually used mindset practices to get over that hump because I realized I wanted that training so badly that I was willing to go out of my comfort zone. And in that instance, it meant writing to about 30 friends and saying, I really want to get trained in Australia. You know how much I want to help other women. Do you have any miles you could donate to me? And most people ignored it, but about five people wrote back, including my best friend from my childhood, who I was a little out of touch with. And he was like, oh, I think I have 50,000 miles. And this one woman had only had like one conversation with at one Yale event. I was like, oh, I have 25,000 miles. And Within 24 hours, I had, you know, 130,000 miles, enough for the round trip ticket to Australia. Wow. Look at you. That's, <laughs> That's a mindset. A mindset. <laughs> That's a big mindset thing. Right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. So you went and, and now do you find, like, how does this help you in your coaching now? So much. Because the first thing I do with people, whether it's in my group program, which is now called Million Dollar Women Accelerator, or in one-on-one coaching, we start with mindset always because everything you have in your life is the result of thoughts you've thought that then became beliefs, that then have an emotion attached to them, that then cause you to take action or not take action, maybe even sabotage yourself, which then lead to a result. And so the first thing we have to do is look at those thoughts because, by the way, if they have the thoughts that would get them to what they wanted, they would be there already. So I always start from the place of, okay, what's going on in your thoughts and beliefs? And I actually made up an acronym for this called T-Bear so that people can practice it at home. And I'll I'll, I'll teach that in a minute in case people want to do it on their own. You know, 
what's going on in your thoughts and beliefs and emotions and actions and results that got you here. Because if you want to get a different result, you're going to have to go all the way back to the thoughts. Because everything we have in our lives that's positive came from an empowering belief, right? Like you know that you're a good speaker and you like to get up and, and speak. You have an empowering belief that if you get on stage, and I've seen you on stage, you're like amazing, totally, you know, high energy, you can ad lib, like you're awesome on stage. But you have an empowering belief that if you get on stage, good things will happen, right? A lot of people have a right. disempowering belief, or we call it a limiting belief, that, oh my God, if I get on stage, everyone's going to be looking at me. I'm probably going to like choke up. I won't say the right thing. So everything and I had that belief too. Oh, well, okay, <laughs> you had to switch over. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. Oh, I'd a, love to hear that mindset story. To to your point, right? Like yes. you can switch these thoughts. I just you to can say but, that. I didn't. I wasn't always excited to get on the stage. Well, I'm glad you shared that because yes. that's helpful for people to know that you yes. weren't always the badass you are now. But, Definitely not. <laughs> you were already in other areas. But the point is this: that you can't just tell people take these different actions because they won't do it if you don't change the thoughts mm. first. So T-Bear, I'll just teach that for yes. a minute because if you're listening at home, if you're driving, don't do this, <laughs> do it later. But if you're listening at home, you can grab a sheet of paper, or open up notes on your phone and just write T-B-E-A-R in a column down the left. So the T is for a thought. Any thought you have over and over again becomes a belief. That's the B. Every belief has an emotion attached to it, whether positive or negative, T-Bear. If it's a positive emotion attached to a belief, you're going to take lots and lots of action, right? I love speaking. Okay, I'm going to volunteer to give a toast at my friend's wedding. I'm going to get up on stage at my friend's conference. Take every opportunity, right? That's the action. That's the A. So T-B-E-A, take lots mm -hmm. of action. But let's say it's a negative emotion. Oh, gosh, every time I get up on stage, I break out into a sweat. I feel like I want to throw up, right? <laughs> negative emotion. Well, how many times are you going to raise your hand to go up on stage? Like none, right? So you right. don't take action or the action you take might be to sabotage yourself. Mm. And then that all leads to the R of T-Bear, which is the result, which is what shows up in your life. So whenever someone says, well, I want to change, I want to do this different thing, you know, people come to me with these big ambitious goals, you know, I want to make another $300,000, I want to start a company, I want to raise $2 million in venture capital, that's just a result. We can't fast forward you to the result. You have to start with the thought. We have to unpack what are the thoughts you have now, how do we get rid of the limiting beliefs and replace them with empowering beliefs, and then you can start taking new actions and getting new results. Oh, I love that. And what a wonderful way to sum it up so that we can remember T-Bear. T-Bear. <laughs> That's great. I love that. I I did a, a personal development program a few years ago that they didn't call it NLP, but the woman who ran it was an NLP um, practitioner. And and once I, and then after when I read books about NLP, I was like, oh, that whole thing was NLP. So, so I, I, I say that as the caveat because I don't, I didn't hire an NLP coach, but I feel like I went You're through a lot of, it. I think I went through a lot of stuff that may have been straight NLP. And my question about that is because I actually have this challenge as a coach myself because I've done so much thinking and, and work around this. Do you often find that you have to go back to the, the thought and the feeling and where it originated from? in your childhood, would had, which is seemingly unrelated to the person you're talking to. Well, you don't to. want to become a therapist, right? You're a coach. Because yes. I, I often find it's like, well, the seed of this problem for your business is probably something that has to do with like your brother saying something to you when you were five years old. But, you know, I am neither trained as a, as a therapist or an NLP coach, nor do I uh, think it's appropriate even necessarily for me to go there. And yet it's kind of like, mm, this is so obvious that that's like probably what's <laughs> Well, I have good news for you. You can help them with their mindset without becoming their therapist. Okay. And that's the beauty of NLP is that it's a framework. And I love what you shared that you think this coach probably was trained in NLP. It's kind of the best kept secret, although less of a secret now that I wrote Go Big Now and talked mm -hmm. about it. But almost every leader you see out there who's talking about mindset is drawing from the well of NLP. Mm. Like I would say 80% of what Tony Robbins teaches is just straight out of NLP. He's just, you know, relabeled it or repackaged it, made it his own, right? So if if someone's looking for kind of the source of mindset work, you know, that's why Gina said to get trained in that. 
I mean, there are other wonderful things, don't get me wrong, like CBT, I know is amazing, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, but I'm not trained in psychology. I wanted something I could use in business. So I would say you could get trained in some of the fundamentals of NLP and use it with your coaching clients. Because like I spend one session on this, right, of a six-month program and sometimes a four-month program, and that's enough to get these huge shifts. It's a rapid change method. That is why it became so popular, is that it's it's rapid change. I mean, I did 20 years of therapy, Pia, and I had breakthroughs with NLP, right, that, that never happened in therapy. Oh my gosh, me too, me too. You know, you can have in the moment complete changes of thought where you literally can't feel what you were feeling before. Right. So, you can't even remember how yeah, it was it's to like think you that remember way. that you thought that, but you can't feel that you thought that. I mean, that's what's so like you don't powerful. have the emotions anymore, right? Right. You don't like feel you can't really access that it. You can just remember that you were feeling that way. I mean, I definitely have those. What was one of your like oh, transformation? The, the biggest things. one is pretty pretty personal, but no, I, but I'll share it. You know, I have my sister, mm-hmm. and and I had a very challenging relationship, and she was had a, had a lot of challenging things in her life, and I felt a lot of I felt a lot of responsibility for it mm. and and unhooking myself from feeling responsible was a huge huge <laughs> can you imagine I mean feeling like the guilt and responsibility oh for gosh, somebody no. else's like yeah problems. that would be something you carry um, with you everywhere yes very very heavy so thank goodness I like went through this to have that experience because is very weighty. <laughs> and, and, then, and then after and, you feel like a sense of lightness. Absolutely. A, f- a sense of lightness and also able to be caring without. You know what was really interesting about the, the interaction was the woman who was doing it kind of pointed out that in some ways I was kind of making it about me. Hmm. And it was like a tough thing to see because I obviously was feeling like I was doing it for like I'm being so caring by taking right. this responsibility, but she was kind of like, you're making it about you. Well, that's an NLP thing, to. if I may, right. because I assume a so. big <laughs> NLP thing is to ask people, why are you attached to that story? Yes. I don't know exactly. if those exact words. But yeah. Yes. Pretty much. Right. Pretty much. Pretty right. much. The idea of that and, you know, kind of going into, oh, well, because, you know, I want, I'm somebody who likes to take care of people. And so that's kind of my identity. So I'm responsible for the, if I'm responsible for this, then maybe, you know, somehow yeah, that's. Well, it served you in some way. It's, exactly. Yes. And she unhooked that and it was like. Oh my God, that's huge. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm sure that's helpful to someone listening, right? Who has something like that where they're like, no, no, this is just the way it is. It's always been like this. It's always going to be like this. Well, no, and, not if and you get help. Absolutely. And I and I, what I found also is that especially coming back into the world after doing that, and I'm super curious what you think about this. My experience was that from the outside, some of those re- revelations or changes in perspective can seem very cold to some to people who are not thinking in these ways, because there's a lot of people that I know who are very attached to guilt relationships or, you know, you should feel bad about these things. And so if you're like, you know, if you have clear boundaries or you can respect your own, you know, your own personhood and not take on the responsibility of other people's actions and stuff, it can seem very cold. Interesting. So so you found that was kind of triggering other people. I, I found it to be triggering to other wow. people it's as if I was like unfeeling. And I was like, no, I, I feel very deeply, but I, I don't need to be responsible. I can feel deeply for somebody without to feeling guilty and responsible for them. And that's a big difference. And actually, I can be way more helpful if I'm able to not be do acting based on feeling responsible and feeling guilty, but instead just coming from a place of, you know, I care about you, but I also have boundaries and I'm not going to like give myself up and make myself sick to try to make you feel better when no, it's really I'm- not... You can't, right. You can't change anything about someone else, right? They have to want right. to change. I but actually so, shared a, a joke yeah. about that in the book. Uh, it's a little corny, but I like it, which is, you know, how many therapists does it take to change a light bulb? How many? <laughs> Just one. <laughs> but the light bulb has to want to change. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. So we can't change anybody else. All we can change is how we react to them and not to get right. pulled into their universe, right? And uh, that is something I shared in, 
in Go Big Now because one of my goals was to take these somewhat complex principles that NLP teaches. I mean, I was in a conference room for 10 days from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., you know, learning all this stuff. And I, I remember oh thinking, God. there's got to be an easier way to get access to these tools, <laughs> which is part of why I wrote the book. So one of them that's really powerful is understanding how the RAS works. So the RAS is the reticular activating system, and it's in a little, you know, group of neurons at the back of your brain. And it's the filtering device through which you take in the world, and you're constantly sorting, deleting, and editing what comes in. Because, you know, we have about 11 million bits of information coming at us every minute. And we can only take in something like 126 bits, right? So you're bo we're both creatives, right? A lot of stuff right. left on the editing room floor, right? <laughs> right? Just didn't make it in. And everyone's RAS is completely different. So like all those people who are judging you and all that, they just have a different RAS than you. You don't even right. have to worry about what they think, right? That's one of the key things you learn in NLP. And it, it mirrors something I, I've been a mantra of mine since my 20s, which I've loved, which is what other people think of you is none of your business. <laughs> I love that. It's just yeah. none of your business. Like If you find yourself thinking about what other people think of you, just stop it because it's none of your business. Because they have a different RAS. They don't see the world the same way you do at all. And there's no point in losing sleep or time thinking about how they process the world. Just focus on how you process the world and your life will be so much better. Oh my gosh. But didn't you feel like once you started like thinking in this different way that you were kind of floating above like watching the world? That's how I felt like, oh, people don't like aren't aren't aware of what's going on. <laughs> well, there is a little bit of that. I will say that at the course I took with Gina, someone yeah. said to her, like, well, now that we have all this information, like, isn't it hard to just like move through the world? And I remember what Gina said. She said, well, you find that you just comment a whole lot less. Yes. <laughs> right? You just sort of watch and observe and like, okay, well, if they want help with that someday, I guess they'll get help. I would say the main thing that we learn in LP that's so powerful is to be to live at cause, not at effect. That is like the number one principle of NLP. You are the driver of your own life. Everything in your life is the result of thoughts you've had and things that went through your RAS filter and then you made up a story about them, right? Why are you so right. attached to that story? And when you own that, it's incredibly powerful because then you can change the narrative. You know, one of the chapters in my book is called Set Your Go Big Goal and Rewrite Your Story. Because I didn't realize until my 40s, right, that, oh, I have the pen. I can rewrite the story. And so many people are not living the life they want. In fact, Daniel Pink has a new book coming out. I don't know if you like his work. And he wrote Drive, and he's got a number of leadership books. Okay. But he's a new book coming out only looking at the question of what is the number one regret that people have in their lives? And he interviewed people all over the globe. And he found that the most common regret that people have on their deathbed is not, I didn't marry my sweetheart from high school or I didn't make a million dollars. It's, I didn't live the life I wanted to live. I lived the life someone else wanted me to live, mm. right? Parents or society. And so people can go through their whole lives not owning their story, right? Like you've given the pen away to someone else, your parents, you know, society, your wealthy grandfather who always told you, you need to take over the family business. So you do, right? It's like crazy. So that's what's really exciting about this work is helping people to shift from living at effect, which is the world is affecting me, right? I'm just at the mercy of whatever happens to me to living at cause and making big changes so that they can get more of what they want. Yeah, that is so powerful. I'm so glad you shared that. And and how how did that, how did that affect your journey, like learning that because you had been, I feel like you had been living at cause in terms of like building the business that you wanted and all of that. Reaching out to your network, asking for miles feels like being at cause in my opinion. Well, yes, that's true. I didn't have the words for it yet. But right, later right. That's what that was. But I will say this, that Little Pim, my language teaching company, was in a way living out my father's legacy because he created the Pimsleur method, which is a very popular language teaching method that's still around 50 years later after he created it. More I than have 50 the apps. Oh, you have the apps? I have both the apps. I, 
My little son, Pim and Big my Pim. My son listens to Little Pim. Yeah, I, <laughs> I love that. I don't, I don't do it as much as I'd like, but it's really well, good. That's okay. <laughs> this will be your reminder yeah. to have yeah. me listen to Little Pim. Get, get back onto it. Yeah, <laughs> I talked to Little Pim's mommy today. You can tell him. <laughs> little Pim <laughs> is the panda bear teacher I created for people listening. But in any case, I grew up, you know, with this legacy of my father who died when I was eight. So I didn't have very much time with him, but I would often run into people who would say, oh my God, your father's Dr. Paul Pimsler. I learned Spanish or I learned Japanese. When I got to China, the first thing I did was, you know, learn Chinese with your dad's method. So I was very proud of that, but felt it was kind of an unfinished story because he died so young. And when I had the chance to create a language teaching business for kids, which actually I've never shared this, part of why he created the Pimsler method is he was fascinated with why do kids learn a foreign language so easily? Because children zero to six can speak up to three languages without any accent, with perfect ease, right? Trilingual, not confusing the languages. We can't do that at all, right, as adults. So he was fascinated with how children learn languages. And then I had a chance to create a company that was to help children learn languages. So it was very gratifying. But I think after, you know, seven of the nine years that I was there, I started to realize, oh, this is kind of my dad's dream, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm carrying out this Pimsleur language learning legacy, when in fact, I've always been interested in social change. I was a documentary filmmaker. I went to grad school for documentaries. I was always interested in, you know, how can we make resources that are scarce available to everyone, but whether that's foreign language learning or now, you know, economic empowerment. And I was a women's studies minor. And I realized, you know, the big mark I want to make on the world is actually around helping women. And this language teaching thing was great, but this is not how I'm spending the rest of my life. So you were studying these other things that seemed like the beginning of what you're building now. What made you like leave your documentary film course to go mm -hmm. do this language business. It seems like you were on that track and then you like got off for a second to build this million dollar business and then got back on it. Well, it's funny because the documentary filmmaking was, you know, using all my film video creative skills and Little Pim was a multimedia business. Okay. So I was able to that use all the similar. filmmaking there and, mm -hmm. you know, business and language learning. It was like everything I loved, right? I was a young mom. I wanted my son to learn French. But then once he aged out and my second son also aged out, they were both in the videos, right? All my friends right. were in the videos. It yeah. was super fun. We had a blast. But then, you know, after a few years, I had these kids who were, you know, seven and 10. <laughs> you know, I'm working all day with this language teaching thing for zero to six-year-olds. It just didn't make sense anymore. And also we needed to transition to being more digital company. And I wanted to hire someone who was digital native. We hired a 28-year-old CEO to run the company. And she did a great job with it for a few years. She's now left. And I just stayed on the board and, you know, got out of the day-to-day -day role. Hey, guys. I wanted to jump in here really quickly and ask you for a little favor. If you are loving this episode, please just take 60 seconds and leave it a review right now. Reviews help other people find us so we can help more people show their businesses who's boss. I thank you in advance for your help. All right. Back to the show. Well, now you're living out what you've been doing this whole time. I mean, it's, I feel like it's a great representation of everything that you were working towards. Now, what are you doing? Share, share with my audience exactly how you help people and these women specifically. Well, now that I've realized mindset is so key to having any kind of business success, and I'm not the first one to say that, you know, lots of people talk about mindset, but it's always been very vague. It's always been kind of a buzzword, like, oh, you have to have a resilient mindset, mm -hmm. or you might have heard you need a growth mindset. There's a book called Mindset about having yeah. the growth mindset. Well, this sort of picks up where that leaves off, because I wanted to make it very practical and tactical to work on mindset. You know, I have eight essential practices in my book that are distilled down from all the teachings I, you know, took part in, all the workshops, all the flying Australia, all that, distilled down into eight really simple things anyone can do. But it's not that far off from the business coaching because this is mindset in the service of achieving a big goal, right? I'm, I'm not a therapist. This is not wellness. I mean, sure, it, it contributes to mental wellness, but this is really about how do you help ambitious people 
reach their goals. And I don't know about you, Pia, but a lot of the mindset books I picked up, in fact, one of them has that badass word in it. <laughs> what was that when you are a badass? Remember that? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, and there are other books, right, about zero, mindset. Yeah. But almost all of them started from the place of, you know, you're a mess. Like you're not making any money. Your life's in shambles. You know, I remember one of them said, you know, there's tumbleweeds blowing through your bank account. <laughs> yeah. And Jen I thought, Sinceros is like, she's practically homeless in the beginning. Exactly. Of the book. Exactly. Yeah. And I just thought, well, where's the book for people who actually are doing, <laughs> doing cool okay. things and would like to do even more cool things. Right. Right. Okay. So that's I love the that. book I wrote is mm-hmm. like, okay, you've had some success. That's great. How are you going to get to that next place? Because whatever your thoughts were that got you here, you're going to need some new thoughts, right? And some new beliefs and some new actions and some new results to get to that next place. And let me help you make that shift more proactively because not everyone's going to just see Gina Malika Long speak on stage or I don't know how you found your you know, mindset guides and coaches. But we, I know I've found a lot of my game-changing things through books. You yes. know, there's so many books that changed my life. So I wanted to write that book. That someone yeah. could just, you know, at two in the morning realize, oh my God, I'm attached to this story that's not serving me. <laughs> I'm going to stop that. Well, and to your point though, you have to want to change. Light bulb. You have to want to change. Right. I definitely, I definitely put people on the spot sometimes in group coaching and, and they're deer in headlights and they don't want to see it, you know, or they don't want to. Not only they have to want to change, they have to understand what's at stake. That's a really powerful part of it. So we do calls, my team mm-hmm. and I, with women from all over the country who have read Million Dollar Women or seen one of our ads, and they get on the calls, and they all have a very similar story, right? They're like, I'm working really hard. I'm not making enough money. Maybe they're making 200000 300000 They want to get to a million. But you know, we listen and have all kinds of business questions. But the part of the conversation that matters the most to me is when I ask them what's at stake. Because if there's not enough at stake, they're not going to make those changes. You know, right. we've worked with thousands of women and the ones who actually make the changes and, you know, reinvent their whole business and figure out how to be scalable and profitable and, you know, double their revenues and get on the path to a million. We've helped thousands of women do that. It's the ones where there's something at stake because change is hard. And if you don't have enough at stake, you're going to just give up pretty right. quickly. Yeah. And if you don't have a, a problem worth solving, I mean, that's one question that's right. I always ask it. And I, even with clients who hire us to do the done for you service, if you don't have a problem, you're not a good client for me because I'm here to solve a problem. So if this is just for fun. 100%. You're not really going to be bought in to making But that you know change. what? You just gave me a great idea. If I teach you how to do this with your clients, then you can teach your clients how to do it with their clients. With their clients. Yeah. Well, that's the chain of command. I love That's it. That's what you're doing. Let's do that. For Let's people. do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, okay. So I, I have a question, like as somebody who works on a lot of mindset stuff and I'm, I'm constantly trying, you know, it's like, okay, let me give you an example. A lot of people that I work with, one of their big mindset challenges is around their pricing, sales, not wanting to be salesy, right? Put, put themselves out there and all of that. And, and I can give them I give them my more practical perspective based on my evolution, which is about, you know, the relative worth of money and how, you know, I'm like, money is just a number. You know, you think $5,000 is both very cheap and very expensive. It just depends on who you're talking to. And I try to use price is always about value, right? What value are you giving to people? Yeah. And and who you're talking to and their RSA, whatever. Uh, Yeah. RAS. Exactly. How are they processing that? Right. And, but, but I'm well aware as I do that, that I am also always breaking through, looking at and trying to identify my own money mindset uh, stories that may or may, that I may or may not be aware of. What, like, do you find, like, what are, what do you feel like you are constantly working on considering that you're so immersed in this and you're teaching other people this, like what's... But it's not a once and done, this right. mindset stuff. I wish it was, right? I still work on mindset every single day. You know, I, I get up, I meditate, I do affirmations. At night, I keep a gratitude journal because one, I noticed that a lot of the people I admire have mindset practices that they've shared with me. And that made me realize, oh, this isn't just for people who are stuck. This is like doing yoga, right? Or going running. This is, in fact, one of my core beliefs that I was sharing and that I shared in Go Big Now is that I'd love us to get as comfortable talking about our mindset practices as we are talking about our physical practices, right? You'll easily go to a dinner party and say, oh, I do yoga. Oh, I do Pilates. You know, oh, I just bought a Peloton. So we're comfortable talking about what we're doing to maintain our physical health. But what about our mental health? 
everything in our lives comes from our thoughts and our mindset and our attitudes. So why aren't we sharing our best practices there? And that's why I'm so delighted that we are right now sharing some of that with whoever's listening. So if you are listening and you're wondering, you know, what could I get started on? I think, you know, just picking one or two things and doing them consistently is really, really powerful. You know, whether it's a gratitude practice, which has been shown to amp up happiness, you know, make you deal with hardship more easily, just writing down a few things you're grateful for each day, you know, meditating, every single mindset teacher will tell you that that is amazing. You do meditate? I don't I struggle with it. I would say I meditate most, most mornings, mm-hmm. but well, it's in bed mm-hmm. at like, because I wake up so early. Well, yeah, <laughs> like, now I wake up, especially, baby. especially well, now. Toddler. The, yes. the ch- toddler. And now this week with daylight savings, I mean, I'm up, it's like four thirty, five o'clock and I'm awake. Oh boy. So I will meditate in my bed <laughs> because that's I, okay. you know, there's no wrong way um, to do it, by well, the way. That's right. a good well, thing that's about why I'm kind of like yeah. sheepish about it. But I, I've, I've always done it and it, it probably is only five or 10 minutes, but man, I struggle with it. Man, I struggle. Because you, know? you just don't want to do it or because your yeah, mind I don't is want to roaming do it. all over? My mind is roaming. I definitely, I'm a outcome, you know, I'm an outcome chaser. I'm, a, I'm a, Am I doing it right kind of person? That's how I think about things. Am I doing this right? So, you know, even just letting go of that, right? The, the big thing yes. about meditation, you can't do it wrong. Okay. Yeah, it's like my head is going, yeah, but, but you what can. if I'm the one person doing it wrong? <laughs> yeah, but this is clearly not how you do it because <laughs> I'm just laying here thinking about things and that's not meditating. But I keep trying not to. Well, but just taking just taking those 10 minutes does create a little base of calm, right? And, and yeah. if you could maybe build up to 20 minutes, right? Because I have read that 20 minutes is a good, a good amount. Number. Yeah, if you mm-hmm. could build up to that. I started with five minutes. I read the book 10% Happier, speaking of one book that could change your life. Okay. And Dan Harris was a newscaster who had a very public nervous breakdown on television in front of 12 million people. Oh, really? <laughs> he just like couldn't speak anymore. You know, the newscasters are passing it back and forth. Okay, over to you, Dan. Over to you, Bob. Well, it was like, over to you, Dan. And he was just like completely tongue-tied, had this total meltdown. And that Speaking of what I said earlier, right? Sometimes you have to fall on your face before you find new solutions. So he went searching for how can I, you know, improve my mental wellness? And he was like going to priests and ashrams and, you know, did all these things and wound up finding meditation. But because he was kind of a business media person, he was very rational minded, which I am. I'm the least rural mindset person you'll ever meet, right? Mm-hmm. I'm totally practical and tactical. I know. That's why I'm telling you this. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm so glad you're, you're sharing all this. So he was too. And he said, you know, if you can just do five minutes a day, there are all these health benefits. And so that's how I started with just five minutes a day. And, you know, now I'm up to 20 minutes. I know we don't have a lot of time left, so I won't get into a whole teaching about it, but there is a chapter in the book about self-compassion and meditation. And I lay out my meditation method, which I created, which is called the four-leaf clover. And it gives you something to think about during meditation. Because I think you and I might be alike in that, you know, we're, we're fast. Thinkers. We like to get things done, <laughs> yes. right? Our brains Can I do 20 off. minutes in 10 minutes? Is that? <laughs> well, but here's what's good about this method, Pia, yeah. is it gives you something concrete to do during mm. meditation. Because I too, I can't just sit there and, oh, empty your thoughts, empty your mind. No, not possible for me. So yeah. I do this four-leaf clover where each leaf is something to focus on. So I'll pick a person, like let's say I picked you this pick you tomorrow. So I would think about Pia and the first of the four leaves is loving kindness. The second is joy. The third is compassion. And the fourth is peace. So I start with imagining you having some loving kindness in your life. Like maybe Steve brought you coffee this morning in bed, or maybe, you know, you got a big hug from your son. So loving kindness, mm-hmm. then joy. What's going to bring you joy today? You, I mean you, totally outwardly focused, okay, right? Interesting. Compassion. Yeah. Where does Pia need some compassion in her life? What's she struggling with? Well, gosh, I remember having a young child at home and trying to run a business, right? That'd be pretty easy for me to focus on. And then the last one is peace, like really imagining you having a very peaceful, wonderful day. And just that act of getting out of your own BS, right, and focusing on someone else's life is yeah. amazingly cathartic. And then you turn it on yourself. And that takes 20 minutes, believe it or not. And you feel great at the end. So that's what I've been doing for the last five or six years. And, you know, again, you can't do it wrong. So I'm not saying people, oh, you have to do the four-leaf clover. But if you have a busy monkey mind, it can be a pretty good one to try. Oh, that's great. I'm going to try that tomorrow, Julia. I am going to try that tomorrow. Yeah, I I usually only do it with some sort of recorded, you know, guided. guided meditation. 
Yes. Yeah. Because at least, because if I don't have a guided meditation, then I'm just like, is it over? <laughs> how long has it been? <laughs> done, yeah, has it done minutes? <laughs> yeah. Like how, you know. But have just, you not felt any beneficial effects? Because even when I was doing five minutes, I started feeling calmer in general. Well, you know, I may. I may feel calmer. I've I've had a kind of I've shifted into feeling calmer over the last few years in general. So I think I I don't attribute it necessarily to that. Right. But maybe it is because but maybe of that. it's helping. I mean, yeah. Me now and me ten years ago, I'm completely different people in terms of <laughs> energetically and stress wise and and calmness. So oh, I'm so happy to so, hear yes, that. Yes, definitely. I think my my natural wiring is very. Mm -hmm tight and anxious and have to do things, you know. Right. But nothing like having perfect. a child to realize, oh, wow, I'm in control of not as much as I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> like having kids shifts things too. And actually being around a young child who's so in the moment uh, is a huge yes. meditative practice as well. And it, I also so struggle with that. I do struggle with that. Oh, you know, yeah, sometimes I do it's too. like, stay focused, like just be here playing with this train <laughs> you know it's like uh, it's like this is so not what i you know my mind wants to do but it's but it's good right. because it's like you keep kind of it's a reminder right i think someone said about kids like the years fly by quickly but some of those mornings are really long <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right people are like oh they grow up so fast like, but yeah between 5 and 8 a.m can be really long yeah. sometimes and let's read this book like 10 times <laughs> to share just one last thing on meditation yeah, then we'll move on because that's not the be all end all that's just one mindset practice but i love what dalai lama said when someone asked him so you really meditate for you know an hour or two every single day he was like yes i do and they, they said, well, what about the days where, you know, you have to travel and you have to speak? And what if you don't have time? He says, well, on the busy days, I meditate for four hours. Mm. <laughs> so it's the opposite of what you yeah. think, right? Like people who are like, oh, I'm too busy to meditate. No, if you're super busy, if you're under stress, if you're trying to make some big thing happen, that's when you need meditation the most. And is that because... When you're so busy, my, my logical mind is immediately like trying to find reasoning that makes sense to me, which would be when I'm so busy, I'm actually using a lot of energy and probably not getting done as much as I want because I'm so wound up and there's so much going on and being in a centered place would like allow me to do those things actually much more fluidly. That's but I'm totally a big, big piece of it. That's it. No, no, <laughs> that's a big piece of it. And then the other piece of it is that all the answers lie within us. So if we don't take the time to get quiet, how can we hear them and find them? Gotcha. That's more woo-woo. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but but it still resonates, right? <laughs> it resonates. It does, because I'm sure you had moments in your career where you were like so lost, quote unquote, right? Yeah, but no, then you like maybe and then got a little comes. coaching or talked to a friend or sat and got quiet or journaled, right? Totally. And you're like, oh, this is what I need to do. You know, before before Axel was born, Steve and I would go on these walks across the Williamsburg Bridge. And that was my favorite, mm. you know, a lot like a long walk. Something about the bridge, something about crossing water. That. Oh, yeah. Very always, symbolic. <laughs> very. Always our best ideas, like our best brainstorming. Oh, my like, God. I, I really miss that. It's like a little too long for for three year olds to do that. <laughs> Yet. Yeah. But yeah, but you rarely have your big breakthroughs, you know, sitting at your computer, multitasking, answering 100 emails. Right, right. No, nobody, <laughs> nobody had their most creative ideas sitting at a computer. Like that's for sure. Usually not. Yes, no. it's usually when you, you know, are able to just quiet down. So that's one of the benefits of meditation. But I know we're going to run short on time. I'd love to teach one other mindset practice people sure. can try at home. Sure. And it's it's called Lay Mind the Gap. It's the very first one in the book. It's okay. teaching number one. And Mind the Gap is uh, it's actually a reference to in the London Tube. Have you been to London, Pia? Yep, yep. Do you remember what they say don't, when you're don't waiting? Don't step up over. You got to mind the gap in New York too. I don't know why they. <laughs> well, they call it mind the gap in London, and I always love that because it's that high British accent. You know, mind yes. the gap, mind yes. the gap, and they say it over and over and over again. So it stuck with me, and it's a mindset principle I learned from some of my teachers. But I called it mind the gap so to help us remember it. And here's what it is: is you can't control what happens to you, but you can always control the meaning you make of it. If you learn how to mind the gap and mind the gap means when something happens to you and you find yourself having a big reaction, you know, oh, that jerk or, oh, she thinks I'm an idiot. That's why she didn't answer my email. You know, can you create a little gap? It can be very small at first between what happened and the meaning you make of it. 
And this mindset practice alone can change your life Mm -hmm. because we do this all day long. If we haven't had mindset training, you know, let's say I showed up five minutes late today. I think I was two minutes late, but let's say I was five minutes late and you were like, ah, you know, Julia, I don't know. You probably wouldn't have thought this, but you know, Julia doesn't take this seriously. I'm just making something up, right? Because there was no gap for you. It was like, oh, she was late. They must mean this. Right. Right. I'm triggered. All these conclusions drawn exactly. automatically. We all do right. it. We, we all, all do, do it, it all right. the time. We don't even but notice that we're doing it. If you have some mindset training, you have a different choice. And and this concept became very popular when Viktor Frankl wrote about it. He's the author of a very famous book uh, called Man's Search for Meaning. And he was a psychologist in pre-Nazi Germany. And he was sent off to a concentration camp and his you know whole family died there. You heard about this? Yes, absolutely. Look, okay. Mm-hmm. So while he was in, I think it was Auschwitz, and you know, barely survived, he had this huge realization that he couldn't control whether they, you know, deprived him of food or beat him or killed his friends in front of him, but he could control the meaning he made of it. And he decided to make the meaning that he was definitely going to survive. He was definitely going to go become a professor and help millions of people to learn how to make different meaning of things that happened to them. And that's exactly what he did. So every time he was deprived food or beaten or whatever, he was like, oh, this is going in the book and this is going to be in my talks. And it it gave him all this strength and all this purpose. So that's a very extreme example of minding the gap, right? Hopefully none of us ever have to do that. And and Nelson Mandela wrote about something very similar in The Long Walk to Freedom, being in Robbins Island. He spent 27 years on Robbins Island, you know, in prison. Right. But preparing to be president and get rid of apartheid, right? Talk about mind the gap, right? (laughs) Right. So how can we do this? You know, like last week, I sent an email to someone and she didn't answer. And I thought, oh, okay, that's too bad. Three days later, I bumped it up. Hey, you know, could you answer this email? And she runs a community I'm in where there are a lot of famous actors and actresses. And and I thought my mind immediately went to, well, you know what? I'm not famous. Like probably, you know. She's answering their emails and not mine, right? Right. And I bumped it up and she still didn't answer. So by now I'm like, okay, well, I was right. You know, that's it. She's not going to answer my email. But I did hear that British voice in my mind, right? And the way it works, mind the gap, is a three-step process. It's one, what are the facts? Two, what's the meaning I'm making of them? And three, is there a more empowering meaning I can make? So when I asked that question, I thought, well, I don't know for sure. It's not a fact that she read the email and decided not to reply, right? What's the more empowering meaning? Well, maybe she didn't see it. And it suddenly dawned on me that two people that week had told me that my emails were going into their spam automatically. So we took the email I sent her and sent it from my assistant's email and said, hi, this is Alex. You know, I just wanted to see if you got these emails from Julia because people had mentioned they're going to spam. Within one hour, we got a response. Alex, I'm so glad you wrote. All these emails were in my spam. I'd be happy to meet with Julia on Friday. Yes. Oh, that's such a great story. We do that all the time. And if you didn't make the different choice of what you were going to think, you might have just written her off, never talked to her again. And Right. And, we never would have been able to. And then you would have felt that way. Yeah. I mean, we're creating our own life and our own reality. It's not that we're saying every time you bind the gap, something amazing is going to no, happen. No, no, no. It's not what we're saying. But if you do that every time or most times, you know, Eight of the 10 times, something really great is going to happen. And maybe two of the times, it turns out she's ignoring you for whatever reason. But by the way, that's her RAS, right? Filtering, Absolutely. like whatever her value system is where I'm not important. I've had that been the thing. That has nothing to do with me. That's none of my business. Right. But it's not even about the outcome. It's just about creating your own reality, walking around. It's yes. like it's like when you walk, you know, have you ever, you know, if, if you really are conscious about this, I've had, you know, I can think of days where I've walked around really thinking about this and smiling at everybody in New York City. Man, do you have a completely different day? People just will beam back to you, you know, like you just oh can God, see the ripple that. effect of smiling and saying, thank you, you know, talking to people and, you know, because I don't walk around New York City like that. Most of the time I'm like, head down, like, don't bother me. <laughs> like, right. I'm busy get, get, getting to my destination. I'm getting to my destination as quickly as possible. But the change, but, you know, small change, but it, you, it is so powerful to, to, create that reality. And I mean, that's just what this reminds me of, which is I love that you're yes. changing the reality because right now it's and all in our to head. Build the habit build the of habit. making positive yeah. meaning because the more you right. do that, the more you're going to take chances, the more you're going to put yourself out there, the more you're going to contact that client. I mean, so many people in my community are like, well, I sent one email and no one responded. 
It's like, okay, that's, that's not massive action. Like we teach massive action in my book, which yeah. is, you know, do 10 things. 10 things is massive action. If you yes. call them and email them and call your friend who knows them and find out, Hey, are they having a hard time right now? Is that why they didn't answer and send a postcard and right? Something's yeah. going to happen. But if you send one email and then are super disappointed that nothing happened, and people are just so scared of worst case scenario. This person thinks I'm annoying. They hate me. They're ignoring me because they think I'm so annoying. Like I hear that all the time. People, that's the association people have. And so they won't put themselves out there. So that's such a good point. Oh my God. So many amazing gems, Julia. I knew you would have them all over the place. Thank you so much. Everybody needs to go buy Go Big Now, Julia Pimsler. I will link to everything in the show notes. Julia, thank you so much for spending this time with me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. I I do have one little gift for your listeners, which is that we created a 21 days to a go big mindset program. And it's just an email every day for 21 days with journal prompts to help you get the go big mindset. Not everybody loves to read books, by the way. I mean, I'm a big reader, but you know, maybe you don't want to read a book. So this is a $49 program, but I'm going to offer it 50% off to your people. So oh, wow. you know, for 25 bucks, you can get the go big mindset and have okay. this kind of ability that P and I are talking about yeah. to really live at cause, not effect. And, you know, we'd love to hear what changes that brings about for you if you do it. Okay. Amazing. What I will link to it, but where is it? Oh, it's at juliapimsler.com under go big now. And then it says it's $49.95, but I'm going to give you a special code so that it's no longer $49.95. Okay. Wonderful. Well, what's that code? Fantastic. <laughs> I'll give it to you after. Okay. Okay. Then you have to <laughs> go to the show notes. Okay. <laughs> then, and, or I'll record it into the, the exit. Oh, um, good idea. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. So amazing. I love this, Pia. And you are living proof of if you take control of your life and set you know, goals and do the mindset work, you can make amazing things happen. Look at you with your beautiful family and growing business and all the people you're helping. So I love being part of your life. I'm on the, I'm on the go Pia cheer squad. (laughs) I I so appreciate that. And I've been following you this whole time. You've been the, the mentor in front of me that have just, you know, really inspired me. So I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. To grab Julia's book, Go Big Now, chock full of practical and actionable advice, you can grab it on Amazon and then head over to juliapimsler.com backslash go big now. You can grab free resources and her 21 day Go Big Mindset course for half off. So she found the code after we got off and the code is go big 50. That's G-O-B-I-G, all uppercase 50. Taking inspiration from Julia today, do you ever mind your gap? Do you make assumptions and let them dictate what you do next? Of course you do. We all do. But now is your chance to start noticing it and changing this story. I remember once my friend told me this story about how she had a new boss at work and this boss would reply to all of her emails with just one word answers like yes or T-Y for thank you. And she told me this story and she told me that she was so offended. It just felt so rude and curt. And, you know, what, this couldn't woman couldn't bother to put an exclamation point at the end of her yes or her thank you? <laughs> she couldn't write out thank you or thanks? And I pointed out to her, you know, people of different generations have different ways of speaking. And I have noticed, and I've actually had this conversation with a lot of people in my generation, that we tend to really appreciate and like things like exclamation marks. And we almost read text and emails in a way that might come off more rude or curt because we're so used to using exclamation marks. And I pointed it out to her because I wanted her to remember that this woman is probably not being rude at all. She probably thinks she's being perfectly nice. I said, if you take the story out of it, She just said, thank you. And she just answered your question. That's all she did. Right. But we put these stories on and then we act accordingly. My friend was visibly upset by this. And every time she got an email from this boss, she was offended. She was bothered. She didn't feel good. And it's just so incredible. The power of these stories and these associations that we have and how powerful it is to change the story. Once I said that to her, She said she literally flipped. She stopped feeling that way completely. And that was just a small little shift. We are doing this all day long with every single experience and interaction we have. And if you can notice that gap between something happening and you 
having that reaction and putting that story on, then you can start to change that story and you can use that story and make it work for you. How many times have you not followed up on an email because you were offended that somebody didn't respond to you? And you have no idea if they didn't get it, if something happened in their lives. I like to tell people that I'm coaching when they are selling their services or they have a client who says yes and then disappears. What do we do when, we, when a client says they want to hire us and then they disappear? We usually assume, oh, they've decided that they've changed their mind. You know, they've decided that they don't want to hire me. I, I hear these stories all the time. I've told these stories to myself. And over the years, what I've come to learn is, yeah, some of those people may have changed their mind and didn't take the time to tell you. And, you know, that's on them. But a lot of times that person just got busy or something happened. I remember vividly a couple of times this one client in particular said yes, said, I'm ready to hire you, you know, send me the link. And then I didn't hear from her again. And the way that I operate, I'm not a big follow or upper. Um, so I just kind of forgot about it. And, and sure enough, a year later, she popped up and she said, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. I was ready. But then all these things happened with construction of our, you know, our new location. But now I'm ready. And she bought it and she did the whole thing. And it was amazing because the reason I don't follow up is because she had all the information that she needed. She knew what we had to offer. She wanted to hire us. And I just leave it up to the universe you're going to come back to us when you're ready. And sure enough, she did. She wasn't slighting me or, you know, she didn't decide that I was the worst idea ever. She just got busy and had other things to do. And she came when she was ready. So just an example of how much energy we can expel when we make up these stories, especially if they're negative. We just waste energy on it or we do things that we shouldn't do um, that are going to hurt our business. And so mind your gap. And that might just be your next step to showing your business who's boss. Show Your Business Who's Boss is produced by Yellow House Media. Production coordinator is Lou Blazer. This episode is edited by Marty Seafelt. Creative direction by Steve Wasterball. Our theme music is Glass Prisms by Western Runners. 